Welcome to Faith Seeking Understanding, a place dedicated to the discussion of Christian faith in 21st century life. C.S. Lewis said, I believe in Christianity as I believe that the sun has risen, not only because I see it, but because by it I see everything else. So join us as we endeavor to understand 21st century life through the lens of Christian faith. I'm your host, Alan Bevere, pastor, professor, author, and lover of Five Alarm Food. Come and seek with me. All right, good day, everybody. Welcome to another Faith-Seeking Understanding. I am Alan Bevere, your host. I am a pastor, retired, professor, Bible moth, theologian in exile, and a peddler of hope. And I am the self-appointed Anselm of Canterbury Chair of Podcast Theology and Culture here at Faith-Seeking Understanding University, a completely fabricated institution of higher learning made up off of the top of my head one day when my thoughts were wandering. However, it may be fake, but it is a place where all seekers can come and ponder profound things free of charge. And as usual, that laugh in the background is Dr. Pidge Bannon, who is Senior Instructional Designer at Ashland Theological Seminary. Yes. We are recording in your old office, but my you do have a office. new office. Yes, I do. Which is in the same building where my office it's is. It's in the mansion. Yes, so it's much easier for me to pester you. I don't have to walk <laughs> as far. So It's a delight. Yes. It's so it is that's right. It's it, it's got character. It's got yeah. all that wonderful woodwork I and know. yeah, pretty nice. And I have two um what do you call them? Built-in Cases, so they have cases? Their, not bookcases, but they're oh, like gosh, they have all the plates in them. So oh, like a, like a like yeah, like one of those. Yeah, one, <laughs> one of those. Yeah, <laughs> good deal. Yeah. But they have all the plates yeah. of all the brethren churches. Ever. Oh wow! <laughs> so, yeah, the okay. oh wow, they're yeah. But I so if you them. ever have anybody in your office for lunch, you can break out the china. <laughs> what do you think? Oh my gosh, yeah. I think. Yeah. Dr. Finks might have a cow if he ever I don't think out. Dr. Finks would find out. <laughs> He's in Florida. <laughs> okay. This would be a good thing. And and if he finds out, just say, hey, Alan said it was okay. Yeah, there you I'm go. glad to talk to him about it. Anyway, I'm retired. I have nothing to lose. Okay. We need to move on before we lose our listeners here. That's right. Okay. That's right. So today's episode is uh, about a central question for Bonhoeffer that he liked to ask. Who is Christ for us today? Mm. So for Bonhoeffer, the significance of Jesus is for us is not really found in the Jesus of history. And in fact, when we get to, uh, in a couple of weeks, when we get to Bonhoeffer and his understanding of Scripture, we're going to find Bonhoeffer isn't really concerned with the Jesus of history. Mm. He's, he's concerned about the Christ of faith. He is concerned about the Jesus of now. Who is Jesus for us today? Now, if, if Dietrich were here today, I'd say, hey, Dietrich, you really can't extrapolate what you believe about Jesus today unless you actually look at the real Jesus of history. Exactly. But that's another question. You know, he's influenced by by uh, existentialism and other things. But he's concerned about that. Who is Christ for us today? He doesn't think Jesus needs to be left back in the past. Mm-hmm. He is concerned about abstract understandings of Jesus that really don't have much to do with today in the 21st century. Right. So he uh, he's raising this question, and basically what he, he thinks 
in asking this question, he believes that Christ is relevant and meaningful uh, in the midst of political, social, and cultural contexts. And, and we all need to ask that question anew because those contexts uh, tend to change. So that's where Bonhoeffer is. It could be said that Bonhoeffer's theology is mainly Christology. Everything for mm -hmm. Bonhoeffer is connected back to Jesus. Mm -hmm. Now, uh, I think we can see in this the influence of Karl Barth because Karl Barth is big on Christology. We used to have a joke in seminary that we'd say, no matter what theological question you asked Bart, the answer was always Jesus, <laughs> right? Well, that's the answer you always give when you're in Sunday school. That's the answer you give when it's you're in Jesus. Sunday school. It's always it's Jesus. It's Jesus or God, at the very <laughs> least, right? It's the children's message. Exactly. So a kid doesn't know and says, mm, Jesus? <laughs> right, Jesus. Well, you know, uh, Bonhoeffer uh, gets, is influenced by Bart on this, that, that Christ is central. Uh, for the faith and central for the questions of our Christian existence and our way of life. Bonhoeffer, as we saw, as we have seen throughout his life, as his life goes on, he gets really concerned about questions of justice, mm. questions of community, questions of ethics. And he doesn't know how the church can answer those questions apart from Jesus. Jesus is at the center of it. So um, he believes that the Christian faith is not just a set of private convictions, individual convictions, um, but rather something that compels us to act in the world. Mm. This is his concern. Um, <clears throat> we saw when we uh, looked at his, uh, his book, The Cost of Discipleship, we, uh, I started out reading the quote at the beginning of his book on cheap grace cheap grace being the deadly enemy of the church. And uh, for Bonhoeffer, uh, cheap grace is the result of having a Jesus that doesn't make a difference today. That's Bonhoeffer, mm -hmm. you know. Uh, Jesus, Jesus in the abstract, right? if that's possible. Um, and so for him, that if Jesus is in the abstract, or if Jesus is just the guy I believe in, but really doesn't have much to do with my daily walk, then we lose the commitment and the sacrifice that Christ calls us by virtue of his own commitment mm -hmm. and sacrifice. So for Bonhoeffer, costly grace demands personal sacrifice. It demands a, it, it demands a commitment to justice. It demands a, a commitment to doing what is right. And so Bonhoeffer, it's wrapped up in Jesus. Again, real quick to go back uh, to the cost of discipleship, and he's got a chapter on the Sermon on the Mount. I right. Mean, he, and it's Jesus. Mm -hmm. So that's where he is. Um, so, so when he asks, you know, I just said, I just said that Bonhoeffer's not overly concerned about the historical Jesus. However, he does believe in the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. He thinks that that matters. And so uh, he wants... Christians that consider how the life, death, and resurrection inform them in the challenges of their time and the responsibilities that they have. Um, so um, he wants them to engage in a faith that reflects the love of Christ, uh, the humility of Christ, and also the commitment to justice in their context. Mm -hmm. uh, Bonhoeffer wishes that the German Nationalist Church would have asked that question 
who mm-hmm. is Christ for us today? Mm-hmm. That's what he wished. Uh, for Bonhoeffer, he likes to talk about, you know, he, he, he will talk about the Christ of the creeds or the Christ of dogma and saying that, you know, that's the kind of Christ that is aloof and away from us. He doesn't reject the doctrine and he doesn't reject, reject the creeds, but he rejects them being used as abstract kind of affirmations that don't have a lot to do with, with daily life. That's his concern. Um, so, um, he, he's really not interested, you know, we, we've talked about how academic he was, but he, he gets to a place in his life where those kinds of theoretical academic things are not of, of interest to him. Yeah, that's where I think that, um, the, his Harlem visit yes. really triggered a change in him, you know, because it wasn't so much that academic piece, but it was more along the lines of... This is this is how it's lived out. This yeah. is this is what it means. So, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. That's exactly right. Which is why, again, and I mentioned earlier in one of the episodes that in Germany today, Bonhoeffer is not really read and studied in in theological circles in Germany, mm-hmm. and it's just because because he doesn't write. He doesn't, you know, he does Well, where Bart is. But Bart's an academic all of his life, and he writes as an academic. Bonhoeffer writes to the church. Mm-hmm. So, so let me talk about some big themes here in reference to uh, who is Christ for us today. So a big theme for Bonhoeffer's incarnation, God becoming flesh. Um, there's actually a wonderful book of meditations uh called God is in the Manger, and it's actually Advent meditations on Bonhoeffer's writings. And for every day in Advent, there's some some kind of uh, meditation, and 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 it's wonderful. I was gonna say this would be really good. Yeah, it's really good. It's really good. I know some people who actually that they read that every Advent for their devotions. Wow. And and each meditation isn't long. It's a page long. It's not long, but you really get a sense of how important the notion of of Jesus as God in the flesh matters mm-hmm. to Bonhoeffer. Um, and, and, I mean, for him, God is there. For Bonhoeffer, it means that God is not aloof from us. God is present with us. Mm-hmm. And that God is present with us. It's the way God is present with us. God is present in humility. He is present to us in vulnerability. Uh, and that he thinks that God is giving to us a prescription of how to live in the world, mm-hmm. to live in humility, mm-hmm. to be willing to be vulnerable. Um, and of course, eventually, as Jesus did, uh, to suffer. Um, so um, uh, he, uh, he reminds, in his letters and papers from prison, he reminds people of the importance of, of incarnation. Um, but here's another thing. When he talks about incarnation, he's very concerned about people emphasizing the divine Jesus at the expense of the human Jesus. Mm. Um, <clears throat> and for Bonhoeffer, he rightly echoes uh, the Nicene and Chalcedonian creeds that basically say um, Jesus is fully divine and fully human. And... Um, 
they come they go together they're integrated together uh, that you can't understand what incarnation is without Jesus is divine and Jesus is human mm -hmm. so for for Bonhoeffer for Christians who emphasize the divine Jesus at the expense of the human Jesus you lose for Bonhoeffer um, this idea that in imitating Jesus we do live the life of humility we do live the life of service we do live the life in which we are willing to sacrifice but then Bonhoeffer says but you have to have Jesus is divine because it's the divine Jesus that shows us that's the way right so right. he he uh, he he looks at the that the whole historical man Jesus and says he is God um, you know, so one meets the one man, Jesus Christ, who is fully God, mm -hmm. according to Bonhoeffer. So incarnation uh, is really important. And he's got this one, he's got this one passage where he says uh, at, the, at the manger uh, on the night of Jesus' birth, he said, there weren't any theologians there. There weren't any scholars. There weren't any, you know, people who, you know, uh, would find ways to, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll paraphrase how, as I understand Bonhoeffer. He says, there weren't any people there to confuse everything. And <laughs> he said, nope. He said, there was just shepherds and, you know, animals and Mary and Joseph. And they beheld the very presence of God mm -hmm. in all of its wonder. And that's that's kind of Bonhoeffer. Just, just receive it in all of its wonder. Yeah. So. And then the wise men came. And then the wise men came. <laughs> Yeah, the wise men came, and, uh, you know, they brought gifts. So, I mean, what do you get the Savior who has everything, right? Exactly. <laughs> well, along with incarnation is also humiliation and then exaltation. Now, now, humiliation, we think of the cross primarily. Exaltation, we think of the resurrection. Uh, and for Bonhoeffer, again, these two go together. He, he talks about the humiliation of Christ, the humiliation of the cross, being humble, but he also understands that that humility of Jesus only matters because of the exaltation of the resurrection. Mm -hmm. uh, another way to say it is, if Jesus hasn't been raised from the dead, then he is just one more poor, unfortunate first century Jew who was crucified by the Romans. Right. But because of his resurrection now, his humiliation really matters in a central way. So he's always going to put those two together. Um, and, and here's another point he wants to make. Jesus' humiliation does not mean he is less than divine. You know, people tend to, sometimes people want to assign certain certain attributes of Jesus to his human side and some to his divine right. side. When he's right. doing miracles, that's his divine side. When he's eating, that's his human side. Yeah. There actually was a, an early theologian that te flo test floated that out uh, at a church council and didn't get anywhere. Oh, yeah. um, that you can't, you know, there, Jesus is not, um, Jesus is not a split personality. Right. 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 He, uh, Jesus is not schizophrenic in a sense. He's, he is fully divine, fully human, and it's all integrated together. And you can't say his miracles are his divine nature and eating and sleeping is his human nature. It all goes together. Right. And uh, he wants to make this point because, again, 
he wants to say that the suffering and humiliation of Jesus, that God presents us with God's way of doing things. Mm -hmm. You know, not our way, but God's, God's way. So yeah. this is important uh, to him. Um, he says, uh, he says that in light of the reality of his humiliation, the harshest and most scandalous expressions about this humiliated God-man must be ventured and tolerated. There's no way to smooth this over. Jesus went through a horrible death, humiliating. Uh, yes, for first century Jews, a shameful death. Mm -hmm. And uh, we must receive that. There's, there's no way to minimize that. Um, now he says, he reminds us though after he says that, the humiliated one is present to us as the risen and exalted one. So as believers, we always have the um, uh, understanding that, that um, who he is is always present in that humiliation and in that exaltation. But he says, we also have the... Uh, the understanding that the exalted one is the crucified one. The risen one is the humiliated one. Right. One and the same. Yes. Yeah. And he says there's no overcoming this paradox. Um, yeah. He says receive it. I think about Thomas when um, he, after he met Jesus, the resurrected Jesus, and the invitation to touch my hands, touch my yeah. side. You know, that was... It's pretty powerful. It is pretty powerful, yeah. yeah. I love that story because, by the way, the gospel doesn't even tell us Thomas took him up on it. Yeah. Apparently it was just enough to see him, <laughs> right? Yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah, it's, it's a great story. And and it just is a reminder to us of the earthiness of this resurrected Jesus, the bodily nature of this of this. Boy, Jesus. I would have been out there touching. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I'd be touching. My mother would be horrified. <laughs> Your mother would be saying, yeah, yeah. "Stop that! Ah, ah, embarrassing me!" Yeah. I taught you better. That's right. All right. Exactly. Sorry, mom. <laughs> um. Now, uh, you know, one of the interesting things, we, we've seen Bonhoeffer change in some of his thinking over the years, mm -hmm. right, as his time went on. But, but this focus on, on Christology was really there from the beginning. Yeah. And, and, you know, you could make the case that Bonhoeffer's writings as he, as he goes on in his experience, that it gets more pronounced. But it's always there. There's not really a radical change in his understanding of the question, who is Christ for us today? Mm -hmm. Maybe maybe a good way to say it is that for Bonhoeffer, it becomes more pronounced or it becomes more urgent, mm. perhaps urgent, particularly because of what he's seeing happening in, happening in Nazi Germany, what he sees right. is happening with um, with going, with going uh, what is going on um, uh, with the Jews and his experiences. Um and of course, in his book *Ethics*, uh, which is, is is published after his death and completed after his death, um, he really uh, also at times focuses on the place of Jesus. Um, he says at one point in his *Ethics*, uh, one can speak neither of God nor of the world without speaking of Jesus. Mm. That's central, mm -hmm. right? That is central for Bonhoeffer. Um, in Christ, we are offered the possibility of partaking in the reality of God. 
and in the reality of the world, but not in the one without the other. Um, and of course, in his in his letters in prison, he is he's, he is preoccupied with the question. Um, and uh, you know, one of the interesting things to ask about this is because there were there were things Bonhoeffer said or believed about this that he never obviously never got to write, publish, and reflect on. This is one of those areas. Who is Christ for us today? Where had he lived, it would have been interesting to read. Yes. His further ruminations on this, to be able to look at post-World War Germany, right. to look at it in the rearview mirror, and then be able to talk about who is Christ for us today. Mm -hmm. That would have been some rich reading. So, yeah, you know, that's one of those things where you ask, you know, there's this, there's these always questions of history. What happened if, you know, right. you know didn't happen? You know, uh, this happened or that didn't happen. Uh, of course, we can't answer those questions. We can we can ponder them if we're bored with nothing else to do. But what would have happened had Bonhoeffer lived? Yeah. You know, when we get into the last podcast episode, we'll ask the question about his his influence, his lasting legacy. You know, mm -hmm. you know what he has meant. Uh, but uh, it's just an interesting question to ask. Uh, what what is Bon what what would he have said had he lived? Mm -hmm. And it would have been nice to have him flush this out a little bit more. Yeah. Yeah. It really would. <laughs> oh, well. Oh, well. We can't do that. Mm -hmm. um, so uh, just a couple things to kind of wrap this up. Um, I think, again, that uh, for Bonhoeffer, Christ is central. Uh, in a way, and he, by the way, he, I want to say this, he sees, he sees uh, the incarnate Christ as the antidote to what he thinks is an, a reductionist liberalism, you know, that wants mm -hmm. to bring everything down to human level, level. but he also thinks that this, uh, that the incarnation, interestingly enough, is also an answer to what he would call abstract orthodoxy or the mm. kind of conservatism that wants to make all these affirmations about Jesus, but Jesus is up there. Mm -hmm. Jesus is up there in a way mm -hmm. and not uh, involved in the daily, the daily affairs of life. So uh, he just wants to ask that question, who is Christ for us today? I, you know, I've, I've thought... I thought that might be an interesting question sometimes to ask people in church. Mm -hmm. You know, we all we go go through our lives. We go to worship Jesus. We talk about Jesus. We sing about Jesus. We preach about Jesus. Uh, we study about Jesus. But then, what what would we answer if we could say, "Okay, who is Christ for us today?" Mm -hmm. I wonder what kind of answers people would give. You know, we might say something like, he's my Savior, he's my Lord. Yeah, but that's all abstract. See, Bonhoeffer would say that's all abstract. Yeah, he's your Savior. Yeah, he's your Lord. What's that mean? What's that mean at the coffee shop? What's that? What does that mean when you vote? What does that mean when you, you know, encounter um, somebody on the street? What does that mean, you know, uh, wherever you might be? Mm -hmm. See, that's what Bonhoeffer's trying to get at. 
He's trying to get beyond the abstract answers. It's the practical faith. Yeah, it's that practical faith. Um, Jesus matters. Um, and how does it transform the human being into more of a disciple? How does it transform us into be, being more like Jesus? And more like Jesus, yeah. To be more Christ-like. Yeah. Um, I read the Christ of the Gospels. So I'm not so sure sometimes I could be like him. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> But yet, but see, that's the so far. But away. that's what Bonhoeffer says. See that you read the Gospels and you say, "I can't be like that," and yet the Gospels themselves tell us to be like that. Mm-hmm. Paul tells us to be like that. <laughs> yep. Maybe that's why the temptation has been to make Jesus more palatable. Mm-hmm. Maybe that's why we, you know, we like to say, "I call it." I like to call it the "yeah, but" principle. Of biblical interpretation. Yeah, but. Yeah. So Jesus says something really <laughs> radical, and it's hard for me to it's hard for me to accept it at face value. So I say, well, yeah, but. Right. I mean, Jesus says some of that stuff in the Sermon on the Mount. You know, love your enemies, pray for those who persecute you. Right. Well, yeah, but. I mean, and so we do the yeah, but principle. Uh, interpret. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's one of my. That's one of my many many thoughts as far as reading the Bible. We, you know, and so it's easier to make, just make Jesus palatable or to say, well, Jesus didn't mean that or Jesus was an idealist or, or you know, you've got to understand that in his context, and which is a way of saying, which means I can't do it in my context. Right. Right. And I, Bonhoeffer won't let us get away with that. You know, if we could have conversation with him. He's just not going to let us... He's not going to let us get away. Yeah, but principle. Well, yeah, but principle. So just remember that. Yeah. So yeah. anyway. So that's, that's a that's a theology. There you go. Yeah. 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 Do you have any thoughts on that? <laughs> well, yeah, but. <laughs> oh my gosh, that's really good. <laughs> um. The other thing about Bonhoeffer is, uh, one more thing here uh, before we wrap up, is that he doesn't want, he doesn't reject the notion of God is omnipotent or God is all-powerful, all-knowing and all Mm -hmm. that. But he says the problem is when we start out with that, we end up misunderstanding Jesus. Mm -hmm. The way that Tom Wright, N.T. Wright, who's a New Testament scholar, gets at this really well. Here's what he says, and I really like it. He says what happens is often we have our understanding of God. God in heaven, Mm -hmm. all-powerful, all-knowing, blah, 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 blah. And then we take that big concept of God we have, and we try and squeeze it down into Jesus. And when we squeeze it down into Jesus, we end up not understanding Jesus as God. Mm -hmm. What he says what we need to do is we start with Jesus and then we start to think about who God is. So he says, so the question, so when people ask the question, or when the people say Jesus is God, he says, no, 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 that's not the way to say it. Say God is Jesus. Jesus becomes the center of that. Mm-hmm. I think Bonhoeffer, if he would have heard Tom Wright say that, would agree. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Start with Jesus. Yeah. That's where it goes. So, anyway. Well, I think that's about all I have on uh, who is Christ for us today. I don't know if you've got anything, Pitch, or...
Um, well, I just, I don't know. I Thinking about Bonhoeffer's life and the way he traveled and the influence that we know of that he had on people. Yeah. Um, he... In so many ways, he he personified that which he proclaimed. You know, I mean, he wasn't one to just sit back and think about these things and talk about these things, but he actually walked the talk yeah. in with with grace and 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 humility and yeah, you know. His life was not do as I say. Yeah, I keep going back to the letters. The letters do, really yeah. spoke to me. Yeah. I mean, it was just. Hearing him when he was in in prison and what he dealt with and how graciously he dealt with yeah. it and the relationships that he built the community yeah. that he built in there yeah you know let's not forget he had an opportunity to come to New York and stay yes he could have bypassed he it all could have done it easily yes and he did not yes so absolutely so yeah. Bonhoeffer for him in his life answered that question who is Christ for us today and it, for who, who, who Christ was for him led him to do what he did and it cost him his life I would love to to have access to some of the conversations that he would have had in Harlem oh yeah you know I mean that would be oh yeah so fascinating to hear because that was right before he actually yeah. went back and then was in prison so yep. um, but yeah. to hear some of those and to hear some of the stories and the the legacies and, yep. and stuff like that would have been so interesting. Yeah. To study. I wonder. I think there are. There are some. Are there? there. Well, let's say it this way. I think there are some people in the Harlem community who later reflected on Bonhoeffer, knowing him. Mm. I don't know if, if that's been put together. Some it probably has been. I mean, I know that you know you got Bonhoeffer's Black Jesus and right. and Reggie Williams. I mean, talks about Harlem, but it would be interesting. So. Oh, well. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, um, so that's today's episode, friends. Thanks for joining us. I'm Alan Bevere, your host and uh, the patron saint of faith-seeking understanding. Is Anselm of Canterbury who said, I do not understand in order to believe, but I believe in order to understand. Keep seeking, my friends. Mm-hmm.